Welcome to Radiant Church Podcast. Our mission is simple, to see people, love people, enrich people, and launch people. We believe that not only is this mission statement for our church, but God's progression of faith in your life as well. We pray today's message is an encouragement for you to shine a light in your home and in your city. If this is your first time with us today, my name is Drew, and I'm the pastor of this church. I'm thrilled that you are here in person with us, and I'm just going to dive right in. We're kicking off today a brand new theme. Uh, It's going to be for four weeks, uh, and it's a theme called Where God Leads. And what we're doing is we're looking and examining the places that God leads us to more than just places that we find ourselves in because of poor choices. But no, there are specific places that we can find that God has led us to. And if we're not careful, not only will we not, uh, will we not see the leading of God in it, however, we could also potentially become discouraged, especially when, when some of the places that God leads us to are not some of the places that we expected. God is always good. God is always faithful, but that does not mean that following where he leads is always easy. And so we're going to be examining these places that God leads and making personal application in our lives. I'm thrilled to be able to preach this message today and for this theme. Right before I jump in, I do want to remind you my notes are available today through the YouVersion Bible app. It's a free app under events and would love to have you follow along. But here's where, here's the scripture that is going to, that we're just going to just jump from, from the entire theme, and then we'll go into a more specific message. But Psalm 37, 23 through 24 says this, it says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Specifically, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. So now let's make personal application on a place where God leads. We're going to find the story of his leading in Exodus chapter 15. Just to give you a little bit of context, the Israelites have been slaves for years. And God, through his servant Moses, had miraculously set them free. They had just crossed over the Red Sea. And this is where God led them. Said then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And then when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a rule and an instruction for them and put them to the test. And he said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. 
people have ever thought that you were going to end up at a certain location only to be disappointed that where you thought you were going is not the place that you ended up? There's some chuckles. Um, you know, uh, it, it's happened to me quite a bit. I'll tell you in a humorous way how it's happened to me. Me and my wife, we were, I don't know how we got to talking about this on our Sabbath rest Sunday. Uh, uh, and just, I don't, know how, I don't know how it came up, but we, we, got, we got to talking about kind of the progression of uh, GPS systems. I mean, now it's common that if you're going someplace you don't know where to go, you know, I mean, you could, you could just take up your phone and, and, uh, and, and, you know, you can use Google Maps or you can use Apple Maps and, and it's going to kind of get you there. It's, uh, it's pretty reliable nowadays, you know, but, and that's even a progression from the, you know, what was it, the, the, the Tom Toms and, and, uh, all the other ones, the, the little dashboard ones. But Kim and I got to laughing because, even before there was a Tom Tom and there was a Google Map and everything else, we had a quite funny and uh, frustrating at the time. We can laugh about it now. Uh, it almost drove a wedge in our marriage, but we survived it. We're good. Uh, Kim and I took a trip and we relied on old, outdated now, but at the time it was revolutionary technology to get us where we thought we wanted to go, but it didn't take us that way. The context was this. Back in 2007, a very, very good friend of mine gets married up in Baltimore, and he wants to be his best man. I said, absolutely. So I flew up there, Kim and I did, and we said, you know what? We're going to be in Baltimore. Why don't we, why don't we just extend our trip a couple of days, and let's me and you, Kim, after the wedding, let's go to New York City. Let's go. Let's go see New York City. It's going to be amazing. And then we even had the better bright idea, which is incredibly healthy for everybody's marriage, and to say, not only are we going to go, but let's drive there. Wouldn't it be great to like drive through New York City and uh, to our hotel where we're going to stay? And so you could imagine, but you know, I said, but how are we going to get, how are we going to know where we're going to go? And this is, this is the point of contention, is that my wife said, oh, there's this wonderful new technology that exists to where you don't even have to have a map. You can actually pull up your phone. It's called AT&T Navigator. Has anybody ever used AT&T Navigator? Let me tell you why you never used AT&T Navigator. Because it's the worst. AT&T thought that they could like present something based on GPS technology, which while used for the military for decades was great but was just coming out for consumer, and AT&T said, ooh, I see a market. And they tried to roll AT&T Navigator out. It was horrible, and that's why nobody remembers it except for me. And the only reason why I remember it is because I remember going out, coming out of the Lincoln Tunnel into New York City traffic where everybody's mad at me and flipping me off, and, I, and we were relying on AT&T Navigator to get us to our hotel. Not only was AT&T Navigator incredibly unreliable, but it also had this problem where unless you got just a perfect GPS light, I mean, like the satellite's got to be right over you, you know, it's not going to pick it up and it's going to delay it. Well, there, there just happened to be a reason why we could not get a perfect signal and connection because everywhere you looked in New York City, there's skyscrapers. And so Kim and I are going through this pattern where I'm trying to go and it's, and it's saying, you know, turn right here. But it's saying turn right here two blocks after I was supposed to turn right because it's not picking up 
where I'm supposed to go. And so every time Kim and I are supposed to go and turn right or turn left, she's telling me, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, my knuckles are white on the steering wheel. And Kim goes, turn right. Okay. So I, I turn right or whatever, only for, only for AT&T Navigator to say, you know, rerouting because it was wrong in the first place. And so then Kim keeps going on and on with this. And I'm going, one, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to do this. And she goes, well, we just got to follow AT&T Navigator. This isn't helping. Because see, Kim, all she had to do was look at a phone. I'm looking at every New Yorker in the entire city, not knowing where I'm going. And they're all mad and angry at me and yelling at me. It was not fun. I would not recommend it. And over and over and over again, AT&T Navigator told us, this is where you go. And we had the expectation that this is where we're going to get to our hotel only for that place to not be it. And after about five times of that, of this is where we're going, this is going to be it. Nope, it's not it. And dealing with that disappointment, plus the yelling and the screaming and the flipping off and everything else, thanks, New York. That's why the, that's why the brave stomp your Mets, your Mets tail every time. All right. Uh, I finally just looked at Kim. I said, you know what? I'm just going to pull over for a second. We're going to figure this out another way. And we did. And that's why you've never heard of AT&T Navigator. (laughs) Not that I'm bitter about it. But here's the truth. There's something about having expectations of a place that you're going to end up at. And then when finally you think you've arrived, that, that, that place that you arrived is not what you expected. To have expectations for how your life is going to go, for how your marriage is going to be in five years, 10 years, 15 years, about how your kids are going to be as they grow up, as you pour into them, to have expectations, to follow as best as you can the leading of God, knowing and believing that God's going to lead your steps and to have high expectations for what's that, what that is going to mean for your life. But then to come up to places as he's leading, only to have those places be places of disappointment. And if that is strong enough, it's more than just disappointment. It can be bitterness. We don't talk enough in church circles about bitterness. Um, we'll talk about disappointment. We'll use words like seasons. We'll use words like healing, and and those things are all good to talk about. But bitterness is something that, if you've walked through it, it's incredibly difficult to come out of. I think the reason why is because what brings on the bitterness in the first place is the fact that we had expectations that where we were walking toward was not going to be a place of disappointment or bitterness. I have yet to meet meet a person that wakes up and says to themselves, oh, if my marriage can just be one where we yell and scream at each other all the time, that's what I want. I've yet yet to meet somebody. But then when it happens, and all of a sudden I've got a husband and a wife who are more than just frustrated at each other, they're bitter. And it's because of the expectations. I've I've yet to meet a person who wakes up and says to themselves, Oh my gosh, if I can have nothing but toxic relationships with my friends, that's what I want. Can I please have that on the menu for my day in my life? 
I've yet to meet someone who really wants that for their lives. But yet we can walk through seasons where we're lonely and friends are just not there. And it's more than just a disappointment. There was an expectation for something better and it didn't happen and now we're bitter. Come on. Nobody wakes up and says, man, I just, you know what I want? I want my career to tank. I want every job promotion and application that I apply for to be thrown in in the trash can. I want to be ignored by my bosses and I want to be underappreciated and underpaid. That's what I want. Nobody wakes up and says that. But then there can come a time where we have hope and expectation that this is going to be the promotion. This is going to be the financial security my family needs. This is going to be the time that's going to happen. And then it doesn't. And we just find ourselves giving up on dreams and we're bitter. And how many times in those moments as we are wrestling with bitterness do we say to ourselves, God, what do you say about all this? I, 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 you know, I'm not perfect, God. But I, I'm trying to follow. I, I'm showing up to church, God. I, I, I'm involved in a rad group, God. And here I am. I'm just bitter. How'd I end up here and how why'd you allow it? We're honest with ourselves. Today's message is where God, today's message is titled Where God Leads Places of Bitterness. You know, we don't imagine that God would ever lead us necessarily to a place of bitterness, but yet here we are looking at God's chosen people in the Old Testament who he just set free from bondage and slavery. He parts the Red Sea. He says, come on, you are my chosen possession. And the very first place, he leads them. And they were being led. They were being led. As he leads them to a place where they couldn't find water. And then when they do, it's bitter. And they said, this place is moral. Place of bitterness. I can only imagine the disappointment. I can only imagine God's chosen people going, what is this? For the person today that maybe you've walked in and you're you're wrestling with some bitterness, you're wondering, why am I here? And more importantly, how do I Today's message is for you to know God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't abandoned you. And God's working even this out to show you who He is. And may we be encouraged today, even for the people today who are bitter. And the only way we're going to be able to do it is if we just kind of open up the can and let's just talk about what bitterness truly is and examine it in full. And to do so, we've got to examine it through the lens of some not comfortable places. And the first one's this, is that if we're going to look at bitternesses, we have to understand that places of bitterness can arrive at unusual times. I wish I could tell you that there was a pattern for how bitterness was going to come on. I wish I could tell you, you know, hey, here's when you know a season or a moment of bitterness is about to come on. You've got you to look for these things. You know, there, there's a formula and the formula is, well, you know, like if all of a sudden you look up and you've got a, you've got a cup of a friend abandoning you, abandoning you and, and then a, uh, another half cup of a job loss, or, or if all of a sudden you find yourself 
with not much sleep because of stress, then you know it's coming on, but it doesn't work that way. Because this is the thing that is so incredibly unusual. I've already mentioned this, but this leading was the very first stop right after God miraculously parts the Red Sea for an entire nation to walk on dry ground. In fact, Exodus chapter 15, the first part of it is what's called a song of Miriam as she is taking her tambourine and leading a praise party for the nation of Israel for what God had just done and how he had miraculously saved them. So they go straight from, yes, God's great. He's good. Woo! Lift him up. He knows us. Yeah! And then three days later, this is bitter. In less than a week's time, we go from, I am strong and secure in who God is and how he's got me in the palm of his hand. Less than a week later, I am the abandoned and forsaken of the Lord is bitter. Man, I don't enjoy watching the suffering of people, much less God's chosen people, the Israelites, but I'm sure I'm glad when I see stories like this and I'm not alone. Because see, I think that, wait a minute, I've had a victory in my life. Things are going great in my life. Somehow I've got a buffer for not being bitter. But we can either spend our time trying to figure out the timing of God, or we can do what Jesus Christ commanded us in the Lord's Prayer. He said, he said give us this day our daily bread. See, there's a reason why in that, in that scripture from Psalms, it says that, said that the Lord directs the steps. That means step by step, day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, I cannot predict or somehow have a momentum for what God is going to do and what seasons he may lead me to. But if I walk day by day with him and not try to run ahead of him, what I'm going to find strength for every single moment. Because see, just because right now I'm in a season of bitterness, I refuse to allow that to discount what he's done in previous seasons. And isn't that what bitterness does? It did it to the Israelites. Again, in less than a week's time, they went from a praise party on the other side of the, of the Red Sea, and now they're going, you brought us out here to die. Step by step, moment by moment, hour by hour. Don't try to predict God. Just walk with Him. And what you're going to find is grace for everything that comes up. Let's see, places of bitterness, or places are bitter. You want to know why? They're bitter because what we search for turns out to be fruitless and fake. That's why we're bitter. It said this, it said, for three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. Isn't that what makes us bitter? Again, they searched for water for three days. So, so first of all, they couldn't find it. They're thirsty. They could not find water. And then they finally think that they find water. So hope rises just a little bit. 
only to have it dashed again because, wait a minute, it's not even water I can drink, it's bitter. And isn't that what causes us to be bitter? It's more than just the lack of something. It's when we think we finally have found it, it turns out to be false. I never forget. I went about a year and a half of being single. Went on a couple of dates, but nothing that was ever serious. And there was just a loneliness. And I'm going, God, I'm believing you for your best, but there ain't nobody. It's been about a year and a half. And then I finally meet a girl. We go on a couple of dates and, and I'm thinking this could be going somewhere. So hope rose. I was no longer just lonely, but hope began to rise a little bit that I could potentially find something. And it turned out after about a month and a half, she was slapped crazy. I'm talking about, I'm talking about like show up on a, on, a, on a group date with me with another boy she's talking to when she ain't talking to me. That kind of crazy. And I'm sitting there looking at this going, you think I'm going to put up with this? I would rather be single than to be somebody else's second boo thing. I, ain't, I know. And I remember privately, I remember when all that kind of came out, I remember privately. I remember, I remember just going and talking to God. I said, God, I would have rather have not even have a, have a sense of hope at all. Remember that? You playing games with me, God? Is it just me? Or am I the, or am I the only one that's, God, you playing games with me? But see, that's what happens. That's why it comes is we are without something and then we get a small glimmer, we get a small glimmer of hope that our, that our child that we've poured into that is gone wayward is going to start coming to sense. We go, and then they doubly lose their mind and we go, we get overlooked in the job place for years, underappreciated, underpaid. And then all of a sudden we have someone that comes up to us and says, hey, there's a promotion available. I've I've heard your name, I've heard your name drop. You should apply for it. And so then we apply for it. Because again, we didn't ask for this. Oh my gosh, we apply for it. Only for turn, only for after you interview and go through everything else and get your hopes up. Nah. Is this a joke? That's where bitterness starts. And one of the people that are here today, if you're honest about the place of bitterness that you're in, it's, it's not because you were willing to do without. It's because when you finally got your hopes up, it was dashed again. consider myself a decently optimistic person um, and there's only been a handful of times in my life that I can say I was truly bitter you know, I could just be raw and honest with you it sucks it does but you're not abandoned the very God who led them to this place that they called Mara is also working this out and bringing incredible purpose to it and that's what we need to see it doesn't feel good, but there's purpose to the places that are bitter. So let's talk about some of that purpose here and now. The first one is that places of bitterness are places of internal revelation. Places of bitterness, places of internal revelation. God does not use this in a morbid way. But some of the places that he'll lead us to that are discouraging, that maybe even are bitter, he'll do it to kind of expose what's in our heart a little bit. 
because sometimes the only way that we're going to see ourselves and mature is if we see ourselves. So watch this. Again, four days, four days ago, it's a praise party. I delivered them. And all of a sudden, they're bitter. And notice what they spoke with their words. It said, so the people grumbled against Moses and saying, what are we to drink? So then Moses cried out to the Lord. And notice this, it was more than just a question. It was more than just the people of Israel going to the leader, Moses, and saying, hey, we're thirsty. What are we going to drink? He said that they grumbled. It said that they got around with other people of other tribes behind Moses' back and started having this gossip session. Well, look at Moses. He never cared about us anyway. Yeah, that whole thing about crossing the Red Sea is a fluke. I mean, I, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, from what I heard, it wasn't even Moses and his staff. I mean, what I heard, it was just some goat, you know, who walked and who walked by and, you know, kind of fell in and that just kind of clogged it up from the beginning. And that's how we got across. It wasn't Moses. No, nah, there's no way. You know, you know what I've heard about Moses? I've heard about Moses that what he does is he always goes and he, and you know, yeah, I mean, he's not faithful to his wife. I just heard that because, and that's why God ain't blessing him now. He must have something wrong with his life. That's why he's let us out here. You know what we're going to do? We just need to go and take our complaints to him and we need to grumble against him. And it's what people do. Instead of handling things in a mature way, what happens is, and, and I, <laughs> We can talk about maturity, but really the only way for maturity is you got to know what's in your heart first. And the only way you're going to know what's in your heart first is to have the pressure test. I, I, I mean, I, I've got a lot in my lifetime. I've had a lot of hopes and dreams and a lot of things that I really wanted to accomplish. A lot of great of intentions, you know, but honestly, the most sobering moments for me in my faith have been the ones where the pressures come on. And I'm dealing with some bitterness and I'm dealing with some things and I'm disappointed. And it's amazing what, what has come out of my mouth. More than just questions, more than just taking my stuff to God. God, have you forgotten about me? What's going on? Clearly, God's cool with that. God wants you to come to him when you have questions. He's not intimidated by your fears. He is not, he's not cowering in the corner if, because you're going, God, what are you doing? That's not God. I promise you, God is secure in who he is. But there's a difference between, God, what are you doing? And a grumbling where it's just kind of coming out and we'll say things, God. God never cared about me. You know, the reason why I got where I got, it's because my own two hands and because God's really blessed with one hand. You know what I'm going to do? Yeah, I know there was some good stuff that maybe was God, but I, I, I think I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to figure this out my own way. And it's amazing how the pressure of disappointment will reveal what's truly in our heart. Because what's in our heart is either going to be a heart full of faith and praise that says, God, I don't understand your ways, but I'm still going to give you my soul. And those are the, some of the most powerful moments because you settle that, the pressure's on and everything in you says, run. Everything in you says, stop. Everything in you says, he's forgotten about you. And you still say, I'm still going to praise him. There's something settled in the inside of you that no one can touch when you do that. There's a joy that comes out in the middle of the storm. 
There's so many times when I look at where God leads and how his people who loved him, they're in the middle of the storm and he was looking for praise in the middle of the storm before he ever got up. But what we want, oh God, get me out of the storm. And then I'm like, what's your name? We are the project. And he will even use disappointment to expose us. And I can't tell you the times that as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, and as just a Christ follower, that I've had to repent for what was truly in my heart. When the pressure came on, and I'm, instead, of, instead of singing his praises and having expectations of his name, I've cowered. And it's been the biggest moments of maturity as well. What's being exposed for you? Because I tell you, like God's word says, life and death is in the tongue. And if you are cursing your circumstance. It's time to change because notice the difference. You had that. You had the people of Israel Israel, grumbling against Moses. You know what Moses did? Instead of Moses joining in with him, instead of Moses saying, well, I guess he did abandon me. He said that Moses, instead he went straight to God. He got on his face. He took his, he took his frustrations to God. He said, oh God, what do we do? Two different responses but it was the internal revelation brought on by pressure that exposed it. This is not just a place of exposure for us, but it's also places of bitterness or places of godly revelation too. What's revealed when the pressure's on is not just what's inside of us, but also with God too. It said, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. Notice this. Notice this. All this was going on, and God was and God was speaking the solution. Isn't it amazing how when we spend our time grumbling, it's so difficult to hear what God's saying is the solution. And what God longs for us, the person who heard what the solution was, was the person who wasn't grumbling, say, God, what are we going to do? And then when God showed it, it wasn't, hey, why don't you go get that bag of Splenda that actually hit over that rock? And why don't you go pour it into the water? Nope. He said, why don't you go take a piece of wood and throw it in there? And Moses obeyed. See, not only did he obey, but at that moment, said the Lord, issue a rule and instruction for them to put them to the test. So this is a moment of revelation for God as well because he longs for us to know what to do and how he wants to bring that place of bitterness into something beautiful. He's going to do it and he knows the plan. He wants to see if we'll get calm in our, in our souls for just a moment where we can listen. <laughs> how many times are we waiting for us to get him out, for him to get us out of a circumstance that, that's the, that is the definition of God's provision when what he's wanting is to show us how to make something better beautiful. But to do that, he's waiting for us to open up our ears, to calm down for a second, and be obedient to what he says. It's not easy. I'm sure Moses, could you imagine Moses here? Here the people are. We're going to die first. Or question your leadership. Oh God, 
please help me. Show me how to do this. Moses, just get a piece of wood and throw it in that water. Could you imagine him going back to the entire nation? Hey, guys, I got a solution. God spoke to me. I'm going to take this piece of wood. Here you go. <laughs> it ain't sad, but I mean, Moses is a human being just like us. And I'm just going to kind of, yeah, don't you know that as he's walking to them, he goes, this is stupid, this is stupid, this is stupid, this is stupid, this is stupid. Hey, guys, guess what? Got a solution. I got, hey, we're going to solve it. It's not going to be to move somewhere else. We're going to. We're going to make it beautiful right where we're at. And some of the most incredible God moments in your faith is when you, you obey what he told you and you're right where you're at. He makes it beautiful. There's a reason why in Psalms 23, it says the Lord prepares a table in the presence of the enemies. Ooh. Mm. The person better today What's God speaking? What's, what, what, what's, a, what's the element of obedience that He's asking you to do and it may not make any sense? I told you about the time that I was a year and a half single and that girl comes along and she's crazy or whatever. And I was bitter. And I remember telling God, I said, God, and I settled it. I truly settled it. I said, God, I would rather honestly single for the rest of my life and have a crap marriage with a great Two months later, I got a phone call. Hey, Drew, we know this youth pastor up in Snailville, Georgia. You should meet her. There's some people here today. There's some obedience on the line. You're wanting him to take you out of the situation and what he's wanting for you to be obedient. He's going to take it from bitterness to beauty. Finally, places of bitterness are one step away from places of beauty. So then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Here's what's so crazy about Elam. If you look it up on the map, Mar and Elam, they're both in the desert of Shur. And Elam truly is one day walking away from Mara. See, I assume when I read this, because you think that, wait a minute, we can't find water for three days, and then when we do find water, it's bitter, and then the next thing we see, that it's kind of like, you know, we're going to Elam where there's 70 palm trees and there's water and it's, it's an oasis. I assumed, you know, that it was, okay, cool. God, you know, he made the water uh, sweet or he, he made it where he could drink. It was no longer bitter. And then they camped and then they marched for days and days and days to get to a totally different place where it was an oasis. But nope, nope, nope. One day. One day. And here is what bitterness wants to rob us from. It wants to rob our perspective. It wants us to get to the place where we can't see our nose for our face. And it wants to get us to stop because in our hearts and in our souls, because bitterness is coming out, we're going, well, what's the use? Why hope anymore? Why have dreams anymore? Why get up in the morning and continue striving when it's all hopeless? And all the while, God's looking for obedience. And all the while, while we are mired in our own misery, we can't even see that there are 
that there are oases so close we can touch it. And here was the nation of Israel. God was teaching them a lesson. He led them to a place of bitterness to reveal his goodness and to show them who he is. He doesn't lead you to a place of bitterness for you to suffer. But he was showing them two things. He was showing them, I can turn any situation and make it beautiful. And I can also lead you to places that you are so close to something new. We short-circuit it because we think that's all there is. How many times have you looked through the book of Exodus at these same Israelites? Time and time again, God would come through for them, and then time and time again, another obstacle would come up. Ah, if we could only go back to Egypt. If we could only go back to slavery. Oh, I loved it when they whipped us. It's great. Here was God breaking them through maturity. This bitterness was not about the bitterness. It was about bringing them to maturity. And there's people here today that's waiting on your obedience because he wants to make your situation something beautiful. But at the same time, as he's working out that maturity in you, he's got spots and he's got moments that are just around the corner where you can sit back and relax, where you can be refreshed. He's got those plans too. It's not all bitter. We cannot allow allow our emotions and our fear, as real as they are, as real as they are, to dictate where we're going to go and to rob us from perspective so much that we just stop. Journey of faith is bigger than that. God's bigger than that. And He knows you. You're not forgotten. In the specific oasis that He has planted just for you. So when you step away, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know the specific day or the time I know that it's planned. There is somebody specific in here. Oh boy. Spirit God is so strong in this place. There is someone specific in here. You need to hear this. Have a word of the Lord for me. What He has planned for you is intentional, specific, it's life giving, and it's bigger than you could have ever imagined. Don't you give up now. And don't you succumb to the barriers. Get your stairs closed, please. Shameless plug before we pray for those walking with discouragement or bitterness. You're not meant to do that alone. Please don't. Our rad groups kick off this week. And there are groups and people that would love to talk with you. They would love to just do life with you. But with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to know, is there anyone here that would be honest enough with yourself Say, Drew, I, 
be better. There's no one looking around, but just as an outward response to what the Spirit of God's doing on the inside. Would anybody be comfortable enough to raise your hands and say, I'm better right now. It makes you feel any better. I can't even see you. I'm better. And it's caused me to lose perspective. It's caused me to stop. I don't even want to dream anymore. I'm better. I wonder for that person if you feel comfortable enough to lift your other hand as well because I'm going to tell you the biggest cure for bitterness is praise. I'm just going to take a moment if you'll pray with me and praise with me. We don't discount your circumstances. I would never discount what you've gone through and what that person or what they've done to you or said about you. I would never try to minimize your harm or your scars, your pain. I do know that there's a God who loves you so incredibly much that he would send his son down the cross to have a relationship with you. And if he would go through those extreme measures to have a relationship with you, he's not going to stop at just allowing you to live in your bitterness. If that's you, would you pray with me? Let's praise together as best we can. Let's do that now. Jesus, would you? Jesus, I just confess bitterness. More than just discouragement, I, I, I confess the areas in my life that I've stopped dreaming and hoping. I confess the parts of my soul that I've closed off because I never want to open them up again because that means I have to have hope and expectations and I can't do that. Jesus, I confess the poison that's come out with my words and with my thoughts. Jesus, I confess my jealousy for others that have what I want and have what I believe in for. I confess that I've just stopped. But I also confess too, Jesus, that in this moment right now, this is, I'm not going to stay here. You've been too good to me. You've been so faithful to me and I don't understand what's going on right now. But I'm going to place even my understanding in your hands. Jesus, I'm going to sing your praise. Yeah. Yeah, there may be moments where I weep with one hand and lift the other to sing your praise and lift up your name. But I'm going to do it, Jesus. I place my bareness in your hands. Jesus, if there's anyone that could do something with it, it's you. Jesus, I'm going to set my focus on who you are, not on the lack that I see. Your promises are greater. Your hope is more secure. Your love is stronger than any disappointment scars I could ever have. So in this moment, I know that I'm not going to walk out today and tomorrow and be totally healed of this, 
but I refuse to let my life be defined by one word. I am better. And if you say that you direct my steps, that I'm going to be obedient to your leading and you're going to show me step by step, day by day, hour by hour, where to go and how to leave this place of bitterness. You know me by name. Would you open my eyes, Jesus, to be able to see you at work? Would you open up my ears to hear you and your voice? Jesus, everything that I am and everything that I'm not, once again, I place in your hands. I love you. I thank you. I worship you. In your name. Thank you for joining us today. We are here for you in every step of faith you may take. To connect with us, visit our website at radiantmacon.com or online through Facebook and Instagram through searching the handle at Radiant Macon. For further details about Jesus, please visit our website, radiantmacon.com Jesus. God bless.